Cosmic Salon. I am your hostess, Nish, and today I have a very special guest. And anyone that has listened to me in the past knows I've talked about this person quite a bit. It's a great pleasure to get him here into the salon with me. I first encountered his book, The Seven Spheres, which I was fortunate also to get a hard copy of. In the 900s, woohoo! And I wanted to see what was going on with it. Of course, when these books come out, I'm always in line. I want them. This one was very intriguing to me because I am one that likes planetary magic. When I got it, I went through it because I I also put the rubber to the road and I generally put these books to work. Although some of them not, but this one certainly, and it was fantastic. He keeps it easy, simple, straightforward. He's got a very relaxed vibe to him. And if you've listened to him and followed him over the years, you you know this as well. So it is my great honor to bring on Rufus Opus. Welcome to the Cosmic Salon, Rufus Opus. Hi, Nish. Thank you for having me. Yes. As you know, it's a pleasure. I'm surprised, actually, it's taken this long to have an interaction with you. It feels like years since I've been wanting you on. I don't know if Jerry ever invited you or not. I don't pay attention because I'm not a techie back-end person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I generally accept almost every interview that I get invited to unless it's you know, to an obviously racist person. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't remember ever receiving an invite, but if I did and I, I snubbed you in any way, I apologize. Oh, also, if you hear the sirens, I, I live close to a fire department in a very safe and secure part of town that seems to be always on fire. So, yeah, I the um, same here, Rufus. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I'm in a small town, but for some reason, the sirens are always going, and then you'll yeah. hear my wolves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not so bad. Yeah, it's, they make appearances often. You're in Illinois, right? Um, no, I was I was born in Illinois. I live in Minnesota right now in Minneapolis. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I've had time in both. I have family up there. Okay. I haven't been in Minneapolis for years and years, but 
I always preferred St. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like Minneapolis downtown because of the food, and I'm I'm I am the biggest tourist. And they have the best the best foodie foods for tourists here in, in downtown Minneapolis, in my opinion. Oh, I mean, yeah. I like I like St. Paul too. Don't get me wrong, but the the restaurants like you can just go, go down the skyways, this whatever they're called, the skywalks. Yeah, you know that that thing, <laughs> and you walk between these buildings, and it's just like gourmet restaurant after gourmet restaurant and little uh, niche bars and I don't drink anymore, but at the time that I was working downtown, it was, it was awesome. You know, you could just go out for lunch and have a a really nice bourbon and then go to another place and have another nice, really, really nice bourbon. There's actually (laughs) still food I miss in Minneapolis and still some of my favorite delivery pizza, like pizza luce and, Oh yeah, uh, this is great. And then some bars, of course, CC club and, uh, And then Psycho Susie's. I don't know if these places are still around, but uh, Psycho Susie's is is happily still open and serving tiki's and and tiki bar drinks. Yeah. Uh, yes, I have I have uh, I have several missing evenings from from that wonderful bar. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> yeah, and we could talk Minneapolis all day. Yeah, I've got deep roots there because my family is all in around that. Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota mm. area. So, so basically, Paganistan. So you were saying that your your pet practice was uh, um, you, you used to do grimoire work, but when you were around in this area, did you notice that there were a lot of pagans? Or oh yeah, I was brought up kind of in the circles. So I was a teenager. I think I was a teen. The first pagan spirit gathering I went to over in Wisconsin. At Eagle Cave, when they were still happening there. My gay husband, I call him Michael Watts, who is a very well-known artist out of Minnesota as well. He's out here in Seattle now, but he was good friends with, uh, I can't remember. Oh, goodness. I can't remember the Magus books. What's his name? Russell? Roger. Roger. Yeah, um, Roger. Roger uh, Waters. Waterson. Yeah, Waters. It, no, not Roger Waters. That was no. I've got his card right here because I'm. He's uh, Roger Williamson. Yeah, he's yes. a Luciferian, and so. Oh, he's brilliant. He, he is. is brilliant, <laughs> and then my good friend Gretchen always worked there for years. I I don't mm-hmm. know. She may be there still. I think I met her. I'm not sure if she's still working there. She might have. Uh, she moved to Alaska for a while, and I don't know if she ended up back there but she worked there forever i mean she was a fixture mm. yeah and then friends in llewellyn out there even though i'm not i've never been a big llewellyn fan but they do put out some quality stuff that i have in my collection yep uh, I, I hate to say it but some of the best of all books i ever read were by silver raven wolf <laughs> yes well right and you know llewellyn was putting out great books when other publishers weren't around and so they've done a great service in general but then they also are part of that kind of terrible wave that has happened as well where it's like the mick witches and the mick this and that well they kind of started it too they well they started it for sure i think I don't. I don't want to speak that of the dead, but you know, Raven Gramassi, He had a whole book on how to make your own Wicca book, Wicca tradition. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like really. I'm like, 
Okay, you're letting the cat out of the bag. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have spent many an hour on radio shows ranting about this. They did serve their purpose, and I was thrilled with the recent addition of John D's, the two-book set, and I had had the original one. I think Llewellyn did that as well, maybe, the big the big coffee table one. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these presses and all this have... They swim in my head, but I know for a fact this one, this gigantic two-set one came from Llewellyn. I was shocked by it, and I was thrilled when I got it in the mail, absolutely thrilled. So I gave them kudos again, and it it re-amalgamated like, okay, they can put out something. They're not on the level of an anthem and Scarlet Imprint and Zoanne and Three Hands and all those other great. yeah, Three Hands is great. Three Hands is amazing. That's the level of stuff I look for these days. I wanted to allow you to come on first here and just give us a little bio. So for people that may not be familiar with you, and there are a lot of people, I don't specifically focus in on talking about the occult these days and magic specifically. It's just part of who I am, and so I just... I've gotten bored of talking about it. I understand completely. I totally get it. So let's have a conversation that involves magic because we're magical people. But let's. uh, Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So and I I have kind of an idea where I want to go with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're you're the boss. I'm just (laughs) I'm just here for the ride. So. But give us a brief bio. Um, Let's see the uh, the bio. This is always hard for, for a lot of people, but um, I kind of like to talk about myself. So I'm going to start with my occult bio because that's probably <laughs> You're a Taurus. why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have several bios. Let me tell you about all of them. <laughs> when I was a young lad, I first experienced knowledge and conversation. No, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, in 2006, I was going through a crisis of faith with Christianity because I, I had been a Christian for, you know, a good long time and. Prior to that, I'd been an Eresian, and I had, you know, worshipped Eris and all hailed the Discordia. And I had been a chaos magician, and I had been um, sort of a Golden Dawn ceremonialist for a while. And I tried a bunch of different forms of magic, and I tried paganism, and I was, uh, I tried Druidism, young young man. And none of it really worked, and I ended up back in Christianity, and that, once again, had failed me. So... My second ex-wife that I was with at the time, she uh, she's like, well, you know, I like masses because she wanted to be Catholic. I didn't want to be Catholic because obviously Catholics are, are even worse than Puritans. Um, not not that they really are, but, <laughs> but you know. Um, so I didn't want to be Catholic. And so she's like, okay, I like masses. Why don't we take a look at this Gnostic Catholic church, right? So she downloads Alistair Crowley's Gnostic mass and I'm – I'm reading it and I'm like, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. It's very formulated and it's, I didn't like it very much. So I went ahead and looked up his book on the Holy Guardian Angel, which was Libra Salmic. And it made sense to me in ways that I, I sort of understood, but not really. I mean, I'd read Robert Ann Wilson's Illuminatus trilogy, which actually has all the secrets of the occult in it. But, um, I was not, uh, really familiar on what the Holy Guardian Angel was. So, I needed to um, actually experience it for myself. And I started doing Libra Samic and 
this was after a period of about five years of uh, spiritual soul searching and two years of daily prayer of inflaming myself in prayer with um, speaking in tongues and, and the whole Christian thing of it. And the sect of Christianity I had been in was, was a lot closer to uh, the kind of Christianity that was around uh, when the Abermelon book was originally written, <laughs> for example. So uh, I, I had been doing Abermelon-like prayers for a, a good few years at that point. And I started doing Libra Samak. And when I started saying the words, um, I had this huge experience of my holy guardian angel showing up in this form of a, a blue raspberry smell and it was sort of mingled with the hormonal smell of a pregnant woman's breath uh and it's kind of hard to explain but like the whole room smelled like that for just a split second i knew that something had happened and i didn't know what so i started going to all these occult boards on the yahoo groups and got i started talking to like aaron leach and jake jake stratton kent and uh, a guy named Todd Kael, who was uh, running the Solomonic group. And it, it, they answered some questions about the Holy Guardian Angel, and they pointed me towards Agrippa. And I started reading more about Agrippa, and then Den came out with his version of um, the Abermelon book. I don't know if you if you got your copy of that, but it was oh, around yeah. 2006. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, Den all of a sudden blew it open as this almost a root work approach to spirituality rather than this um savior of the self and that that really opened my eyes up a lot uh this isn't really a bio is it i'm sorry <laughs> but it, i started well, it is a bio in a way though. <laughs> it's a path yeah yeah and it's it's how i ended up writing because um these guys these brilliant people were pointing me towards all this wonderful information from the renaissance that i didn't know existed and had been translated and um it was wonderful, and I'm reading it, and it's it's falling into place, and it's making sense of all of my experiences spiritually, and I'm understanding all this stuff. And um, so I'm sitting there looking at, at this one chapter of Agrippa, and all it is is a table that talks about the correspondences between um, the different things around the number four. So there's like four elements, and um, you know, four quarters of the zodiac, and. You know, just the four directions, the four archangels of the corners of the world, the four demons, you know, um, all that stuff. And then I went ahead to seven and ten and the scale of the number ten showed, you know, all the archangels of the, the ten spheres of the Sephiroth and all this wonderful, wonderful detailed information. And I wanted to, to kind of understand it. So I drew a circle and I put everything around it the way it would look from my perspective um, where I was living at the time in Baltimore, Maryland, if I were looking up at the sky right now, where would the seven planets be? Where would uh, north, south, east, and west be? Where is the zodiac right now? So I, I drew this picture of it, and I realized that I was standing in the center of it, and it was, it was um, if you cut that circle in half and ascend vertically through the seven spheres uh, of the planets, you arrive at the eighth sphere, and I'd been reading about what that meant in um, in the Corpus Hermeticum, and then you descend. So anyway, I, I drew this circle, and I'm like, this circle has all of the whole hermetic magic path, the great work, everything in it. I can't wait to show it to everybody. So I showed it around. Everybody's like, okay, big deal, whatever. 
I'm like, no, 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 you guys, you don't get it. And I, I, I was like, this is my magnum opus. And it's just this little seven plus four equals 11 formula kind of thing. And then I'm like, look, 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 it, it equals 11. And they're like, yeah, okay. So I just figured that they were too stupid to have a decent conversation. So I started a blog to teach people what I knew so that they would go out and experiment with it. And I found this really simple uh, conjuration thing that um, Trithemius had put together. And it was, you know, you could do it in, in 20 minutes. You could have everything you needed to actually conjure things and follow the prescriptions of this Renaissance occult tradition that was so important to all these other guys in the Renaissance occult community that I was in. So I, I wrote it up like a tech writer does because I was a tech writer at the time and um, bullet points and easy to follow directions. Uh, I wrote up um, some kind of humorous and sort of serious uh, descriptions of what I was experiencing as I was going through the spheres myself and just kind of tried to make fun uh, of this, not, not make fun of it, but make the system fun because everybody was so somber uh, in the yeah. occult at the time. Yeah. And I wanted it to be, I'm, I'm sitting here and I, the first time I did magic with this system, this angel shows up in front of me and I'm like, holy crap, there's an angel right here, you know, goosebumps and things falling off the walls and, you know, the room shakes a little bit and the, the thing speaks and it's like you hear it in the base of your spine and th these, these effects are going on and I'm sitting here like, oh my God, this is awesome. And I'm like, this kid on crack and <laughs> super excited running around like a manic nut job. And, um, all these sober magicians are like, I don't know Rufus. It's not that big of a deal. I don't have those experiences. And I'm like, well, are you doing the magic? Well, no, I don't do the magic. And well, of course you don't have those experiences then. So I, uh, I just tried to make it fun to do the magic and I piped it up and, simpled it down and until we had an effective system that was very useful to get people initiated. And I wrote up this self-help guide about kingdoms and kingdom management and, and how the planet and planetary magic would work if you were trying to uh, run a kingdom and you were the king. And uh, basically it, it was, I, I tried to sell it in a way that made it look like uh, a quick and easy way to get laid and paid <laughs> because a lot of people wanted that, but at yeah. the same time, yeah. it was an initiatory system into the higher spheres of magic. And I was tricking these people into getting initiated and ascending and, and becoming enlightened, illuminated people out of their own sense of greed. Yes. And I was like, I thought that was brilliant, you know? And, uh, and I told everybody, of course, it wasn't like I was manipulating them behind their back or anything and playing this huge prank. I told everybody it was a prank. <laughs> <laughs> Straight out right there. <laughs> yeah. And they bought it anyway. I'm like, this is great. And then this guy wants to publish it for like $50 each and put it in a hardback edition and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, yes, yes, you can publish the book. So he published it and the rest is kind of history. So that's how I got into writing. I, I couldn't have a decent conversation with otherwise intelligent people because they hadn't done the magic the way I had done it. And I wanted to be able to talk about it. Yeah. It wouldn't answer me. So, so I made up a bunch of other magicians and now I have a bunch of magicians who I can talk to about things. You've definitely been a breath of fresh air in a very stuffy room. And so I've appreciated that personally. It's funny in my personal life at this point, I'm kind of a loner anyway, and I live a rather monastic life intentionally these days. And I 
really have stripped myself out of magical communities in general, having kind of grown up around them and been in um, all these different circles. And I just find they're so full of drama mm-hmm. when you get into the inner workings. And I just, um, it's not my flavor, but I love the art that comes out. So with the mm. books and the beautiful, all the accoutrements that come around it and, uh, of course, we deal with a lot of egos. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like that my um, my group of friends. I mean, like I my group of friends include Renaissance magicians and ceremonialists and lodge magicians and chaos magicians and pagans and like everybody. But they um they all share this one thing in common, which is that they're all sort of non denominational occultists. Yeah, and they're very mercenary. You know, they go after what works. And they don't they don't pull any punches. They're they're kind of raw about everything. Yeah. And and they're very um, wise and kind too, like kind hearted. You know. Yeah. And and that those are kind of the things that I, I look for in friends. And I'm finding out that this community does exist, but they don't hang out together because they're like you. Yeah. They're sick of everybody's shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is it okay to cuss on this? Oh one? yeah, yeah. This okay, is a free range. It's a podcast. Good, good. I was hoping, <laughs> but I always try to to meld myself to the person's expectations. But I've kept your. I often fucking fail. So. <laughs> You know, though you're saying something very important, and so the people I do interact with a lot are of that same ilk. We're all kind of, uh, I think this actually speaks to a lot of maturity, personally, in wherever you, it doesn't matter your age, where you get to in a praxis. It's like at some point you just want that level of elevation where we can have the humor, we can, we're not adhering specifically to this or that. And I think it's a journeyman thing. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you catch your stride and you're not trying to impress anybody and you're not playing these stupid games. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. God. And the There's, LARPing. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I, I just got out of the OTO and I, I had to be asked to leave. Oh, congratulations. Was, well, that was because I... Okay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I earned it. So, yeah, I didn't get along well with the lodge life. There's always some stuff going on in the different lodges. It's interesting. Yeah, but like you were saying, that the journeyman mentality doesn't exist at the at the LARP level. You know, no. If if it if it jollies your rocks that much to uh, to sit there and dress up and. And a robe and act like a 19th century Englishman. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. You you go. But you know what? I'm going to go talk to the demons and the angels and the gods. And I'm just going to hang out over here with these guys. <laughs> you know, so. I'm like you, though. I'm a Taurus. And I have my sense of beauty. And uh, that was my, great. it's a, well, we, whatever the Taurus finds beautiful, they, you know, they find beautiful. And mine's a little bit askew. I've always been eccentric and I'm an artist. That's where it all comes from. So I, I do tend to have a little dramatic flair to myself, but I'm telling you what, I grew up on the idea from my mother. She said, it's always better to be the funny girl than the pretty girl. And stuff like that. So it was like, never take yourself too seriously. And then the deeper into this kind of work, you you find that. And then if you're tying in, say, stuff like Jungian stuff, not the cult of Jung, 
not the cult mm-hmm. of Jung. That let's separate that straight out. But the Jung himself and his work and stuff, you start to understand how the persona gets so tied in with the ego and how the ego inflation can happen with your titles and this and that in the world. And as you can see with this show, I just don't even bother with that stuff. Some people want to come on and say, I've got these letters behind my name. I've got these letters in front of my name. And mm-hmm. and I allow them to do that. But I'm not going to... We're greeting as peers here. Yeah. So... Right, exactly. And the... You know, I, like I took on the motto Rufus Opus because it means the red work in Latin. And I, I was super proud of myself until... I talked to a Latin scholar and I, I basically I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, I, I have a hard time taking myself too seriously in general, but specifically also I can't even say my name. Right? <laughs> so I, 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 yeah, yeah. It's, it's, easy, it's easy to not be too stuffy on that one. You have to laugh. That was one of my favorite things in uh, Herman Hesh's book, Steppenwolf and also that 70s movie that has Max Van Sydow in it. One of my favorites, top five always. Uh, but, you know, that line of there's never enough time in eternity, only enough time for a joke. He comes around through this whole thing. You know, he's going to kill himself at 50 and uh, it's just an amazing work of art and he had to come to that idea of laughing at himself at all of the absurdity of all of it and see how little it is in the end. Mm-hmm. And so th- there's nothing like letting go in that way. Some people are born that way too. It's awesome. I want to get into some stuff. One of the things on this front end, Mr. Rufus Opus. <laughs> <laughs> is your idea on angels and demons. And so, and let me preface this a little bit. I've got this, I'm looking at the cultural cannibalism that's going on across the globe right now. Mm -hmm. I'm um, moving above it in a sense that I don't like to get involved at at a micro level where it's this person or this, that person or this movement and that movement. I want to, I'm looking at it from the macro uh, mm-hmm. Almost omniscient view where right. it's broad strokes here. And I've been calling it cultural cannibalism. Clearly, we need a shift. Clearly, a shift is happening. And, uh, you know, the magicians are all over it with the the math and the astrology. We see all that. But here we are. We're in this. I'm wondering your ideas of. So here we go with this part of it. The Vatican has expanded its exorcism department. They've been very open about it. And this is always that department that's very hush-hush. Now, the Vatican, whatever your dogma is with it or whatever your uh, baggage is with it, it's an interesting organization that's got a very interesting history. And a lot of it's quite nefarious. And so... And the and the rituals are just completely pagan and juicy as a uh, as someone that wasn't brought up in the church, and so right. I look at it and I just I love all of the juice there. It's sexy. It always made me feel sexy. Midnight mass. I was married to a Catholic, and midnight mass always just juiced me up. Seriously, I love 
I still go to those, by the way. Oh, yes. me any if I'm near a cathedral, <laughs> I will go to them because they I find it so sexy. And so I don't know if I'm always the only one. You're in a cathedral with this amazing choral choral stuff going on, oh, the yeah, incense, great. the Latin, and I'm sitting there halfway orgasming because mm-hmm. it is so amazing. The power of the spirit is in me, child. <laughs> so. <Right>, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And see, Okay, so how much of that is because you're a Taurus, though, and you have that aesthetic beauty, that appreciation? Oh, I think it's a great deal of it. It's the beauty. And this is what I like about the Catholic Church is that it's gorgeous. And they really put a lot of detail into this aspect of ritualizing. Yeah, and they they are amazing ritualists, too. You know, when, when they bring in the Bible at the very beginning of, of, a, of a mass, it comes in and it's held up with both arms fully extended above the head of the person who's bringing in the, the book, you know, and it's the book. Yes. Here comes the book. <laughs> and there's like fanfare. And you, there's no there's no horns, but you can hear them in your head yeah. because the book is coming in and there's somebody singing the book into into the scriptorium and into the um, the temple space where where the priest is waiting for this holy book to arrive and then the book comes and they have this ceremony of opening it and then the word is present mm. you know and and when you look at, at the logos and the whole oh, in yeah. the beginning was the word and, and the word when the word enters the building it's you know ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Elvis has entered the building oh, it, it's oh, a yeah. big deal you know but they and it's and they've got you know two thousand years of experience doing this shit you know and here we are (laughs) margo adler and we're like oh we can draw down the moon (laughs) alistair crowley you know oh yes 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 it's like yeah okay yeah this you're in the hands of pros when you're when you encounter ritualizing at that level for real it's pretty cool they have it down and i have bowed in respect and been very moved sitting in some of those what i call ceremonies Mm -hmm. absolutely taken by them 100 percent, it's ritual that grabs you by the short curlies it does and so so you're saying they they've expanded the yes so they've expanded the uh the exorcism department and they're doing more of these and now you know they're quite quite stringent on the the Catholic Church, so not other denominations, actual Vatican. They're very stringent on what qualifies. And so I thought this was interesting. And I've talked to a few priests that are retired offline and a couple online and had talked to a few people about exorcisms and all this because I'm fascinated by this. It's interesting. So, I mean, the the church is actually in South America done whole cities right now at this point where oh, they yeah. were in the, have you seen that news? In Brazil? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's because they're, yeah, I, I, I've heard about that. And I, I, I believe that has something to do with the Kimbanda, Kimbada. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could be, I could be making things up. I've been known to do that. But I believe I've heard rumors that the the people who've been doing Kimbanda are are um, putting the Catholics at risk with in terms of popularity, and so the Catholics are trying to do some spiritual warfare against this that and like the Sanus Muerte cults and some yes. of the other um, the do it yourself magic that the uh, 
the, the, the Santa Oh yeah, the Palo and all this stuff. There's a whole bunch yeah. of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, and and they're trying to they're trying to break up the power that the so the cartels are the political power behind the um, the street magic, right? The 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 Palo, the the Kimbada, the and it's not it's not street magic. It's just it's street the folk. Direct, the folk. Yeah, yeah. It's the direct experience of God without without this formal Italian standing in your way, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's all about, it's all about that, but I'm not surprised that they're sending out their, uh, their exorcists. I'm not sure that they're doing it because there's an actual spiritual problem or if it's political, but regardless they're doing it. So. Well, everything's political with the, when we're talking the Vatican, we're, we're, you can't take politics out. Right. And you can, it's okay. So here, this is actually something that bothers me about myself and other people. We, we tend to like think that politics is one thing and secular stuff is another. It, it's, it's all, it's all the real world. And then there's the occult world where there's angels and demons and, mm-hmm. and we, we shift our mindsets. Right. <laughs> but, but when, yeah, you know, even, even these Catholics and Christians, you know, even they have this, this whole section of the Bible that says we, all this political stuff that goes on in the world is really just the outplaying of a spiritual, they, they call it a spiritual warfare, spiritual conflict. Yeah. I consider it more of an argument, an ongoing debate, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's not between good and evil. I think that that's, that's misrepresenting it. I think it's between love and hate. And I think love and hate have this ongoing discussion and they're having that discussion through us. But these, uh, the, the Catholics sending out their their brigade to clean up the spiritual ties, you know, and it might it might actually be playing itself out politically. But I don't know. I, I'm just saying that there really might be something going on spiritually behind them doing it, and it's not necessarily just a political thing. You've tapped into exactly what I'm on to, and I do think this is a spiritual situation. If we look at the layers of consciousness and how we move down into the density of matter where we get to where we are in this realm. There's an order to this and it trickles through. And so I wanted you to bring us into how you see all of this playing out right now. I personally am noticing big shifts in people. And so it's not only the uh, the actual alchemical nature of what's going on with lockdowns and uh, people oh, yeah, being yeah. being forced into vessels and then heated, you know, and some are cracking. It, you know, we're seeing relationships crack up. We're seeing lives fall apart. We're seeing a lot of vile prime materia just spread all over but mm-hmm. i am saying let's look at this from the spiritual realm down into the material realm and that's why i wanted you to kind of get us going here with the collective at whole um like all of it well wherever I mean. you want to take that <laughs> because i can i can definitely direct us okay so, good good okay well so all right the political situation, in my opinion, the, the state of the world today, and especially this thing with the big shifts that's going on, I have a lot of theories about that. Um, the, we were talking earlier about the kind of people who are, are at the journeyman level. Um, so when you say that you're seeing big shifts, have you noticed that it's at the people who are at the at that journeyman level who are 
um, sort of aware of it more, you know, like all of a sudden you're calling your friend who, who's also enlightened or whatever, whatever, however you want to explain this journeyman thing. I I really like journeyman, by the way, that's a great, that's a great term for it. So have you noticed that the, that the journeyman level adepts or whatever magicians, um, people of various paths have been contacting each other just out of the blue, you know, like I have a collection of people I've met over the years and all of a sudden we're all talking again, you know, and, and for what we haven't, we haven't talked since the last time we talked. And that was when we got Obama elected, you know, and it's like, okay, so now what do we do? What's going on? You know? And it's like, I don't know that it's planned and I don't have this understanding of what we're here to do. But I do have a sense of being here on a mission, you know, and that those journeyman magicians are on the same mission with me. And for me, it's simple. I just I'm here to talk about I'm here to talk about magic and and um, some very simple hermetic principles of how to change your life and and use use your internal and intrinsic nature to change the world into a better place. And and uh, of course, the better quality, the beauty that you can, that you can embrace and live, you know, that's, that's, I feel like that's what I'm here to do is to be the messenger, the water boy that points to all the beauty and all the love and all the joy that, um, you know, I mean, obviously as Tauruses, we, we understand it better than other people, <laughs> you know, Hail I, Venus. I, right? <laughs> exactly. She's, she's in charge. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the, I don't know. I, I think that everybody, everybody who's like at that journeyman level is kind of getting pricked to do the next thing. You know, like how long ago did you start this new uh, podcast? It has been in the works a little bit, but I I can't remember. I think you're like episode 17 or 18. So it's real, mm-hmm. it's real new. And it's been so that many weeks. So I'm basically doing one a week. Okay. Yeah, so like since quarantine, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it's happened. Right. It, it was in the works before, and I wanted to do it, and for some reason, I said it had to happen now, and it, you know, I got right. the urge to do it. And it just happened to you had the the time, right? Yeah, and everything so came I, together. Yes. Yeah, everything came together for me to put together this website for um for uh, people at the journeyman level or higher to teach at called academia hermetica right and that's like my new project and hopefully this wednesday i'm going to be um at least opening it on a soft launch and be able to uh just start teaching these hermetic things at at a a higher level to a lot of people and introduce people to concepts and ideas that aren't um necessarily being shared in the occult community right now um and also to create a a platform where people can cross-pollinate and and express ideas that are common in their traditions. Like I, I've see the, the reason I want to do this is because I have all these friends who are like in like the fairy tradition who are doing the same kind of work that people who are in the Solomonic tradition are doing yeah. with their holy guardian angels. Yes. And they're trying, they're trying and striving and they're having the same experiences and they're not talking to each other. And if they would talk to each other, they could, they could expand their network. And if you can talk to one another without saying you're wrong, 
because you're doing it with <laughs> yes. this made up Hawaiian <laughs> Huna bullshit. And then instead of, oh, well, you're wrong, you're made, you're using made up uh, European stolen bullshit. So this is a good thing yes. that you're bringing forward because I see this as well. All these different groups and there is a thread of commonality, of course. And to bring people together without this idea of to let go to let go of the constraint that what you're doing over here is different than what you're doing you're just using different language yeah and and the movement to to get all of us like focused on getting this message out that we we all that we're all experiencing the same thing you know at a time of in that if you want to call it the outer college or the, the outer world, the material world, everybody's at each other's throats, you know, Republicans yeah. this and Democrats that and, and you know, fascists this and Nazi that. And, you know, it's like, I mean, oh, I big it. weather, Rufus, big weather everywhere. Uh, it's a, it's not just politics. It's all of a sudden everything is yeah. tumultuous. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like I feel like part of my job is to be the, the message of peace and hope, you know? And, and I think that, that inspiring other people to be the message of peace and hope is, is important too, because yeah, it is cataclysmic, you know, but all right. You said earlier that we're both Gen X, right? Yes. How close to May 13th were you born? I am April 26th. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm in that 13th. first decade and my mother was a May 10th. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. I have some friends locally that are, I have uh, one guy was born within half an hour of me. Oh. <laughs> he was born in Austin. And I was born in, uh, uh, East Gary and he and I are, are, are almost identical twins <laughs> in so many ways, but you know, and then there's another May 13th here in Minneapolis too, that, uh, is also just like me in, in the complete opposite ways. <laughs> so <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting how how close, but that that Torian thing where, where we try to you know appreciate things and oh yeah share that um, and that maturity to see um, that these cataclysms that have plagued Generation X how many how many ends of the world have you lived through Do you remember Oh, I I stopped counting. There, I mean, there are so many, but you know what though, because of the agrigoric nature of they're well-fed, right? These shifts are well-fed by the public, whatever's going on. They become their own thing. And so energetically, each one actually brings us to a new state. Even though it wasn't the end of the world, it came to a new state of being, a new state of understanding. And there's some magic in that, I think, that that can lead for the betterment. But if we're just looking at all of these different end of world, you know, it's almost like the collectives, like seventh day Adventists, like every, mm-hmm. every Sunday, there's <laughs> a new one. <laughs> right. And, and they keep getting more and more, um, ridiculous. <laughs> oh yeah. They're upping the ante constantly. Yeah. Like, like the Trump thing. I'm sorry, but the Trump nightmare that just, just seems like it won't end. I, I, I am, I am anti drama. I am anti drama in politics. And I don't like that. We have a, a, a TV, a reality TV star president. I think it's made a mockery of our presidency and I don't like the man 
regardless of his politics. I mean, I wouldn't care if he's a Democrat or a Republican. He's, he's still an asshole and uh, he would be no matter what. So, well, that's where I am with everything. It's case by case. So, mm-hmm. and but I've, I've always voted that way, by the way, it's been case by case. So I've never been like a party loyalist. I mean, what's this yeah. person saying? What, I'm, what are they putting their pin to? And I'll look at it. I, I'm, I'm a centrist and I believe that somewhere in the middle, we're going to find peace, but probably not. Nobody really agrees where the middle is. So, I mean, but at the same time, I keep going further left and left in my politics without changing my mind at all. <laughs> I believe exactly what I believed in high school about what's right. right and wrong and what I want to see my government do. And I've gone from being a central type political person with some Republican leanings to a far left Democrat without changing my mind on any topics. This is a big deal. A lot of us are not on the same page anymore because the language is getting so contorted. I've noticed this over time. I personally feel the same as I always did about how the role of government and all this, especially coming out of the punk era and Mm -hmm. all that, nothing's changed with me. And yet I look over the years and I see, okay, here's my little marker and here's the political pendulum that is just like, okay, you know, like here I am this decade, here I am that decade. (laughs) And And, it just swirls around. (laughs) mm -hmm. That's why I try to move above it right now. The thing for me, if we're looking at at all this, though, is that it's beyond the USA, though. This is a global Mm -hmm. thing. Right now, Guatemala is tearing it up down there. And in Berlin, you know, the Berlin people are just not having it. This is in the last two days. And our our um, our son, the the son itself is going through these cataclysms. Yes. You know, it's it's not it's not just local but at the same time (laughs) i do believe we're here to 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 share stability you know how the end of the world uh fatigue yeah that that i think gen x has i think that that's kind of our gift that we can bring to the table for for the rest of of the world you know because we got to sit there and watch everything go to crap after the boomers sucked out all the joy. Right. And then the millennials had a little bit of fun, but we didn't. Right. You know, we got grunge rock, <laughs> Kurt Cobain. That's what we got. And we liked it. You know? In the political parties, the boomers are still in control and mm-hmm. now, and they've kind of skipped over. There's not a lot of Gen Xers yeah. in there. And now the, it's like the boomers and the millennials, millennials, yeah, and we're shoved aside and we're sitting in the background and we're, it's like, we're, we're, we're like looking through the windows at every, everything that's going on. <laughs> I know. And it's just like, there's this fire over there and there's an explosion over there and then there's a flood and then there's these hurricanes <laughs> and oh, the sun's going to blow up. And, uh, and we had the, um, the Mayan calendar and yes. Jesus is coming back yeah. and the rapture was going to happen and. Oh my God. It was just one after the other, after the other. And then we ended up with Donald Trump as president, you know, and it's like this time for sure the world's going to end, but every time it doesn't end, you know, it seems like it's getting worse and worse and there's all this pressure, 
but it doesn't end. It just keeps going. And I think the message that the universe is telling us is no matter what the crap is going on around you, you're still going to have to clean up the mess tomorrow. Yes. You know, so, and I, I think, I think that that's what our intermediary journeyman message for people is, is that, you know, life sucks and it's going to get a lot worse. But the, the thing that we have to do is get used to it, adapt to it and carry on because we're going to have grandbabies that are going to need to be taken care of in a shitty world. Yeah. And it doesn't end. It's world without end. Amen. It's going to be here and it's going to be bad and it's going to be painful. But guess what? We have all these tools that can make us happier. You know, the seven spheres, the planetary governors that are our friends that work with us. You know, and that's something else I bring to the table. I think that a lot of people don't is this coworker mentality with these archangels and these demons and these invisible friends of all the worlds that we, that we get to create reality with to, to live in a world that is post-apocalypse or apocalyptic every day or getting more and more apocalyptic. You know, uh, one of the things I used to like about Gordon White was how he talked about the apocalypse and it wasn't the apocalypse won't be broadcast. It was the apocalypse happened and is happening and this is the end of the world, but it's not going to end. Yeah, absolutely. And and so what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Josh? What are you going to do, Rufus? What what are you going to do about what you have to deal with. Are you going to sit there and cry, you know, or are you going to say, Hey, there's someone who needs help and I have a little bit of medicine. Let me help, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's what we have to do. And it, more and more, it's going to be the collective. It's not going to be all these individual uh, person states, you know, my opinion matters and I can think things that are wrong. No, you can't because we need each other now. You know, you don't get to sit there and say, it's okay to destroy the environment because I paid my taxes. You know, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. And no, you can't, you can't do that. You you have to stop destroying the world now, you know, and okay. You know, and I I think, I think they're finally going to start getting it because we're not going to give them any choice. And it's this relentless compassion, this relentless collective approach to things and I, I, I know it sounds weird coming from hermits like us, that we all have to work together. It's actually you all have to work together. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> sick of your shit. <laughs> this isn't for me. This is, this is for everybody else. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, oh, I, you know abso- I, mean. I totally do. And See? this is, if we came together, I mean, this has always been my message. And strip away all this stuff that really is dividing us. Mm-hmm. How powerful is that? Right. And we, you know, in our generation never had, we never had what it took to do that. You know, the biggest thing that we could provide the the world was we bought the coexist bumper stickers. Yeah. You know, we supported, I didn't though. I didn't I, have one of those. 
I'm not a bumper sticker girl, though. So I never I'm I'm lazy. I never got it on the car, but, but I did support one. my local <laughs> new age bookstore. <laughs> well, I believe in the message. I believe in oh, the yeah. message 100 percent. But I just yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not yeah, like a brand I, girl either. So I've got, I've got Miskatonic brand all over my car. <laughs> I love Miskatonic. Thank you Miskatonic very much. You, man. <laughs> the only college I'll ever graduate from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, they um, uh, yeah, the 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 intermediaries that are supposed to be helping people. We we don't have our generation doesn't have the the work together vibe that the millennials have. Yeah, the millennials are really together. They have it yeah. together, and you know what? I admire that. I've been one of the people that stuck up for millennials. Now there are a lot of millennials. I feel need to get some historic perspective. That's and, a nice way to put it. Yeah. Well, they, they do. They do. They really do. And I try Some to be nice. <laughs> wow. That's the nicest way to say grow the fuck up I've ever heard. It's, you need some historic perspective. <laughs> but you've got to admire their ability to really come together. Yeah. They have that power. So once they get through this bit... <laughs> I think they're going to be quite a, I mean, they're a force right now, obviously. And so that we didn't have that in the punk era. It was very individualistic, as you know. And go back and go back to what you said earlier. You've been, your message hasn't changed. Mm -mm, My politics haven't changed. Yeah. We haven't changed. But what's changed is our audience has changed. Yes. You know, and I would like to take a minute to talk to everybody who's in our generation and say, look, guys, we don't have to do it. The reason that we were never any good at getting anything done is because we weren't supposed to. Right. Let the millennials do it. But they need our they need our wisdom. You know, they need our guidance. They need that message of hope that we had out of out of nowhere. Like we are the most hopeful generation I have ever met, you know, and it's it's. That's something that Obama was able to tap into with me and my friends was was hope, you know, and this cynical, how's that hopey changey thing working for you now? Ha ha ha. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, I never wanted to punch anybody as badly as I wanted to punch people who who shit on hope, you know. And and I think that the I do believe that Gen X with our with our slack, with our <laughs> you know, our our basic um proclivity to complain about everything and not somehow not be able to do anything because we're always broke because the economy is always shitty when it's our turn. Yes. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. That's that the like, truth. <laughs> enough is enough. I mean, come on, you know, but no, it's fine. It's fine. My kids are millennials and actually my kids are Gen Z sort of or whatever. Oh, yeah. they, they, the they millennials can, are in their thirties. Yeah. They can't. And you know, Gen Z can't really count that high. So yeah. they think a generation is only 12 years. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> generation Pepsi. Yeah. Okay. I will, I'll blast. With this vein we're working within and the collective at large. So if we look at this from, say, a magical perspective where we are looking at our shadows where we're looking at the content of us collectively all out there that's created this this situation outside of us uh and then of course we know as magical 
people that we need to start bringing our own content in. First of all, you got to know your own content. And how do you do that? By bringing oh, right. it in and naming it and and yeah. qualifying it, right? But but that used to be the biggest, hardest step for magicians. You know, when Alistair Crowley was writing his stuff, the, the magus saying his word was what brought on the new <laughs> eon. And that was the goal of like 40 years of magical practice. And maybe you'll get to say a word one day, you know, but now <laughs> it's like, like I, I've said my word, you know, would you say you've said your word? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what your word is. I know what my word is. I've been saying my word. And it's not just saying the word anymore that's the goal. It's watching the word become flesh. Yes. You know, and that word becoming flesh and taking form and entering the darkness and the darkness knowing it not and all that stuff. You know, that that is what, that's what we get to do. You know, we get to do that. And we're getting there faster. <laughs> People today don't have to spend 40 years to get their word. Right. It's, it's, the, it's the voice of honest indignation. If you look at something, you're like, ah, that's not right. That's your word. Yeah. That thing, that thing right there. You know, for me, my, my word is joy because it's not right that there's no joy in this fucking world. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say it in Greek. I can say it in English <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, but I can say it, you know, but it's about joy. It's, it's about finding the thing that makes you happy and you can do that. And I hope that everybody can do that, but it's, it's not that big of a deal to be a magus anymore. It's not that hard. We have the internet, you guys, we aren't, <laughs> we aren't stuck going out at dawn to kill a goat to get a piece of paper that's clean that hasn't been erased on already. We can just go over to the printer, open up the drawer and pull out a piece and draw a sigil on it at dawn. We can cut corners left and right and skip ahead and ignore the lion skin belt because we killed all the lions. And, you know, and I hate, I hate to sound that new agey about it because I I hated the new age and I very much such a rebound with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I love, I love the arts and crafts of doing things by the book and to spec. And I don't think you get the kind of magic that you get when you do it right. If you cut the corners, but the thing is, is we don't have to go through all the initiatory initiatory. Well, that's not true either. We still do all the initiatory stuff. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Nothing's left behind, you know, like we're not doing, we're not skipping things to get ahead. We're just doing the things and it's effective faster. It seems like, you know, and Magus isn't shit anymore because now that you've said your word, you got to do it. You got to live your word, you know? And it's like, okay, so where's, where's our mythos, our mythology, our hero's quest that, that tells what you do after you've reached what used to be the pinnacle. You know, and I think that a lot of the time that we don't know what to do and a lot of time when we look around and we're scared uh, by all this huge dark shit that's happening. And oh, by the way, the fucking sun is going to blow up, you guys. (laughs) Anyway, um, that's what I read about earlier today. (laughs) Turns out the sun's going to blow up. (laughs) Not now. Could be now, but we don't know. Probably, but later. you you can't live for that. You know what I'm right. saying, and that's then, part of the point of our generation too, because we've been through so many of these junctures mm-hmm. where all this stuff could happen, 
But we still, there's, that's a pillar of fate. We still have intent and intent into. Right. And we don't, we don't get off the hook just because, just because we don't have any resources doesn't mean we get to not. (laughs) But see, that's the thing is it's not our resources we're going to use to change the world. It's other people's. They, they took it all. They kept it all. They squandered it all. Fine. But we get, we get to use their money. (laughs) So have, have you, have you said, uh, can I ask you some stuff? Oh about yeah, money? of course. Yeah, just real quick about money. Um, have you noticed that the money flow? Like, I don't have any money. I like my my money is is like I've I've got a pile of cash that would probably last me a few months if I had to use it for that. But that's it, and that, that's pretty that's pretty good. Don't get me wrong. I know that that's privilege, but you know, I'm 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 compared to my parents broke, and compared to their parents broker than that you know um but i am living the quality of life that's better than anybody in my family has ever had no matter what their education level or their income level you know i'm cleaner i'm happier i'm most for the most part healthier than anybody else in my family ever has been i have a better support network i have much more uh, psychologically aware of myself, my actions, and my impact on myself and my kids than anybody else was. And it's like, do you find that you're you're wealthier in terms of of wealth today than you were? That even even though you don't have like I don't know, I, like I'm living the lifestyle of someone who 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 makes you know who has a million dollars in the bank and a, a couple of houses. I don't have a couple houses. I don't have a million dollars in the bank. You know, yeah. do you see that that, yes. that you're doing the same thing? I manifest, and because I manifest, and this is part of that Torian nature, I manifest what I find of value. And yeah. I have personally never found fiat and like currency, traditional currency. Traditional, I say that because. The stuff I manifest is a currency. I like antiques. I like mm. old textiles. I like old buildings and stuff like that. And so I've been able to manifest that stuff. Oh, yeah. But do I have cash? No. I've never <laughs> been good at that. Ever. Ever, right. ever, ever. And no matter what kind of position I've been in, I've played a million different roles in this life. I've had a lot of different hats from being in a corporate situation, which was the worst hat and the most soul sucking, uh, that was the most impoverished I ever felt, too. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible to my more comfort zones of just being mm-hmm. myself in different art roles. However, I've never felt anything other than grand and beautiful. And anyone that comes into my space understands this and knows this about me. This is a quality I bring because it's how I construct my world. Mm-hmm. So, and you, and you consciously do that, right? Yes, of course. Yeah, and see, nobody, uh, not nobody, very few people are consciously constructing their world. Yes. Well, this is a big (laughs) deal. Rufus Rufus Opus, this is a big deal. And for me, it's almost Magic 101, personally. When we start talking about uh, intent, innate qualities, uh, the construction of the outer world, your outer space, 
as a you know that comes from as a reflection of your inner space right mm-hmm. uh this is a a major principle and it does not matter how you wrap it or how you bake it or what the template is you're using i have gone through so many different organizations of praxis and yet i still have this innate quality none of them brought that to my table i brought it to those tables and and the best thing that got to me in any of those tables was a little bit cleary uh cleary (laughs) cleary clearer it got clearer (laughs) no it it was like i the, the light whatever that light was sometimes I would find a practice like I hated meditation and asana and breathing like pranayama. Yeah. I hated it for years, but I made myself do it for like three weeks. And now I, I find myself doing it out of habit. Naturally. Yeah. And it, it's one of those spiritual practices that seems stupid to me, but it turns out it actually has a physical and energetic effect. It's, it's valuable, right? Yeah. Oh, it's extremely valuable. This is one of the things I always say to people. Your body knows what it needs. So Mm -hmm. when you approach people with the idea of, okay, you need to sit down in this position and do this count in your breath. First of all, you bring it back and you go, do you sit in a, a chair and look out a window? This is meditation. Do you, you know, do you, when you wake up, are you just lounging and doing nothing? This is a form of med- meditation. And when people start understanding that the rules don't have to be so staunch, that they're already naturally doing these things, mm-hmm. and then if they apply some principles here and there, pranayana breathing then it just taps right into it but we do it naturally we meditate naturally yeah but but that yeah um that innate quality that we all bring to the table though i I just meant that there's some some things that help polish it but but all 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 that i found in my meditating was not by uh how do i put it I found that, you know, it was inside me all along. All right, <laughs> so, Dorothy, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, yeah, oh, oh, you know, and so you, you said something about um, when you're talking about meditation, looking out the window. Is yeah, also that's a form right? of where we all, I no matter who you are, your body naturally does this at some point in the day. It mm-hmm. naturally goes into a meditative state, whether you want right. to call it that or not. And then when you start identifying that without the dogma of you've got to sit in this position and do this breath, if you start recognizing that all of a sudden you are just doing this, you're just daydreaming, that's a form of meditation, then all you have to do is plug and play a couple different, breathe in and hold it, let it out, breathe in and hold it. And then it just, it continues to deepen without all the rules. And, and there's there's no expectation of being enlightened yes. afterwards. Yes, you know that's that's <laughs> where the trickery is. Isn't that where the fuckery is? Yeah, it's like this expectation of after you do this, you'll be enlightened. <laughs> okay, I'm breathing though. Yeah, have you figured it out yet? What? Let that go. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> the truth is, is, is it's all a big joke. And the joke is, at the end of it, you had it in you all along. That message is everywhere. And and nobody wants to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. It's too it's too trite yeah. for me. Yeah. I am I'm way too sophisticated for such simple minded oh it was in you the whole time. <laughs> I'm better than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I have a show on dreams. And this is where I had to also one of the reasons why I love talking about dreams is I don't care who you are in the world. You have access to doing this every time you close your eyes. And there is no scientist, there is no one out there that can actually dictate to you what's going on. This is an internal self-process. And I like that. It's like death. It's a it's its own ground that is sacred to you alone. And you do it. Everyone does it. And so, yes, there are people out there with a lot of certificates and doing a lot of good work too. The Monroe Institute does great work and, you know, they're, they're great, but you got to step aside from that and go, when I'm taking a nap and I close my eyes, I can do this. And so it's just all of a sudden this idea of intent, this idea of you're going to find yourself in a dream. So allow the dream to play out. Yes, I'm dreaming. And then you can push forward from there or not, but at least you do it. And that is the big message there. It was in you all the time. And from there, though, you can leave your body. You can have the scale of lucidity, which is what I call it. And when I had Gordon White on, that's what we talked about, the scale of lucidity. It's no longer like lucid dreaming or out of body it's a scale of being lucid mm-hmm. and uh the scale of lucidity then becomes up to you as the dreamer like if do you want to push forward into the experience you're having naturally you don't need to read Monroe's books you don't need to look at Labarge you don't need to look at anyone else's experience because you're going to have it you're having it So look to yourself and then you can get there. And that's a big empowering message. And that's what decentralizes a lot of organizational bullshit in the outer world, right? This is what keeps churches and religions in power saying you, you need to go through us to get to this, but you already do it naturally. Right. And politically, you don't need these, you know, you don't need, you you know most people i think rufus opus most people have an internal most people that are uh let me put it this way that have done work on themselves have an internal compass of understanding what is a good thing to do and what's a bad thing going out and killing someone is not a good thing and i you know, there's a lot of talk on how we could get there with that programming and that kind of indoctrination into becoming that. But I don't believe we're born that way. So, so, so back into dreams. You can dream. You can become lucid. You can get out of your body that way. You don't need Monroe to tell you how to do it. But that, but the way you said about we're lucid all the time. And it's the degrees of, of lucidity, you know, that that uh, consciously creating your awareness, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, 
So, all right. So, for example, that lucid living, that bringing that lucidity to your lifestyle. Um, let, let, let's take relationships, for example. You know, how do you dream into being this relationship that you want to be in? You know, like, for example, like if, 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 if you wanted to be in a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. yeah. and it was just one person and or you were even if it's like you're in a poly thing, whatever, you want a certain type of partner. How do you dream that into being, you know, how, how is your consciousness going to work on that? You know, and you, you picture you picture in your mind sort of what type of of person you want and and people think. Oh, I want a blonde or a brunette, or I want a person who has this much money, or somebody who has a PhD in in the Greek magical papyri and and demonic texts. You know, <laughs> I want I want a magician. I want a spiritually advanced person. I want someone who can teach me all these things. And it's like you you, you list these external qualities and characteristics, but that's not what you want, right? right. It's what you want is how you feel with a person yes and if you look inside it's in you all the time right if you find that thing in you that you want to feel and you project it you know and tunnel it and do your creative your conscious creative thing you know that lucid living that that bring bring that awareness and attention to um to while you're looking out the window and say oh yeah by the way you just kind of slip it in under the covers or over the transom, you know, you just, <laughs> hey, hey, uh, hey, uh, you know, I want to feel this way with another person. And this is the feeling I want to cultivate and and bring this into being. And you meditate on that and contemplate on it or breathe on it or think on it or put it into a sigil or conjure a demon or conjure an angel or ask the universe or you know, throw a coin in a well and, and, you know, bless the water spirits and thank them very much for, for hearing your heart's desire, you know, however you want to do that, do it. Of course you have to do something to make it happen. Yes. But then, then, you know, watch what happens and manifest, you know, um, I'm going through this relationship shift in my life. Uh, I quit drinking in April, um, uh, after a series of weird events, <laughs> which we were talking about earlier, yeah. uh, but the um, sobering up after you know four years of of being in a bottle, I found out that my relationship that I was in was not what I had thought it was, <laughs> yes. and you know and my partner found out that I was not the person that they thought that I was, and, and you know we we both like each other very much, we're friends and everything, but we weren't getting what we thought we were getting out of each other. You know, and we decided to go our separate ways, and it's been pretty amicable. And and overall, we're not mad at each other. It's just it's it's sad it didn't work out, and that's about that's yeah. about all there is to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> so we we tend to to just try to move on and and stuff, you know. But I I know how I want to feel, and I know how I wanted to feel with this person, and I got pretty close. You know, but not quite. So I'm going to try again, right? So I, 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 I found, <laughs> I found this girl, <laughs> right? And, it, and it, it turns out, you know, this, this, this system, this approach to, um, I, I, I call it paying attention because attention is the coin of the realm. Yeah. You know, this conscious creativity, this 
graduated degrees of um, lucidity, uh, intentional living, this finding that aesthetic, that beauty in the moment in a way that uh, lets you experience this stuff, you know. Um, I'm, I'm standing on a street in London and this girl walks up to me and her name is Sora Mim and she's just, you know, this little bundle of, of beautiful energy and uh, style and, you know, just just all right right there present in the moment. And we just looked at each other and, and you, you know that, that you just know thing? Oh, yeah. We just knew, you know, and it was, it was, it was, it was neat, you know, and at the time it wasn't right. So a year and a half later, everything's falling together perfectly, you know, and it's like, it's like there's this titanic force behind it. And it's not because I said, I would like to be with a uh, uh, short, energetic, intelligent nutritionist. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's not like I sat there and said, I don't, I don't want to be with this, this wonderful PhD chemist. It, it, yeah. it's not, it wasn't like that. It was just, I want to feel a certain way. And the way to do that is to manifest it, yes. you know, to materialize it. And sure enough, I got what I wanted, you know, and, it, and it's, it's, it's just, it's really funny how, how easy it all comes together. And it's, it's moments like that, that, that make all the calamities, the dun, 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 (laughs) (laughs) that are going on in the background. Um, it puts them in their place, you know, because it's one thing, it's one thing to see a flower in a field full of flowers. But when you see a flower growing out of a crack in the pavement, yes, it means something different. Yeah. You know, and when you have those moments of beauty and love and, and you know that you materialized it without, without taking any credit for it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I, I say that I materialized this wonderful girl. I didn't materialize shit. You know, I just happened to be paying attention to what I wanted in the moment. Yeah. You were in alignment. Yeah. And I put myself there. Yes. And how did I do that? I let myself go. You know, and all this, all this, it was in me the whole time, <laughs> you know, and all these words that point to this thing that we do in our, I, I want to call it the journeyman stage now, yes. Yes. <laughs> but you know, in, in that intermediate stage where we still give a shit about changing the world. Cause I think, I think that at the higher levels, you're more capable of it, but you see the pointlessness of it. So you don't do it and you're still happy anyway. And it's, it's different than when you see the pointlessness of trying to change things and you give up and you're miserable. Right. But somewhere in between, I think, is where we're at, where we're like, oh, we can still do things and change things. <laughs> and it's fun. As long as it's still fun, I think we should always try to change things. So. But anyway. Uh, yes. Yeah, the, you're putting in uh, amazing, amazing thoughts here about alignment with your will and how you're talking, you're talking about this on so many layers here where it comes in. I mean, this is the synchronistic universe at play. This is like chaos magic, really. Well, this is what chaos magic wishes it was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is, this, this is, is the core of it. Well, yeah. And to me, this was like a reason, 
Eresianism, you know, the Eresian Liberation Front, yes, yes. <laughs> the ELF, that that was, the, you know, and the KLF, you know, <laughs> the Ancients of Mumu. The, yeah, the whole, oh, yeah, the whole we're justified of, of and we're ancient. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, it's 3 a.m. eternal. What time is love? <laughs> what time is love, you guys? What time is love? <laughs> I, I, I just feel like that's, that. If, if I had an anthem, it would be the White Room. <laughs> oh, yeah, so good. But, yeah, you know, and that, that essence of... Here we are, guys. Let's do something, and and it's not. It, it looks like we're not doing anything, and then we get what we want, <laughs> you know. And I, I hate, I hate that the secret ruined that. <laughs> you know, I wish that there was a way to grab that stuff from the secret and take away the secret part of it, and keep the core part of it that was so, so interesting and neat, you know. But, but do you feel that you had to get to a certain? I don't want to use the word elevation because I don't mean it in a snobbish way at all, but it's a a matter. And when I use elevation, it's a matter of getting out of yourself and out of the snobbish self, out of the titles, all that stuff. That's right. Do you feel that you had to rise into another frequency really to align, to Mm -hmm. allow the strand of pearls that is you to actually find its alignment you know, oh, yeah. so the kinks that are in there in between the pearls and all this, if you just let it do its thing, everything kind of just strands right up into beauty and symmetry in a strange, very, uh, again, I have this, I have a, a kick towards it, but in a very geometric, sacred geometry kind of mm-hmm. way. Right. Because, because of the aesthetic, right? Yes. Because of, because of the line and the curve and how they how they do the thing together, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how do you right? So trying to put that into words is always the hard part, <laughs> you know. And the reason I get eclectic and get in a moment like this, and this is, do you remember at the beginning we were talking about how um, you were trying to go in a different way where you don't talk about magic anymore? You you just kind of talk about things. Yeah, and I let it flow. Yes. Right. And that's that's what we're doing here is is we're being magical beings. Yes. And I think and I think that that journeyman concept and that level of attainment and and what you were talking about there um for me I do think that I had to reach a certain level of understanding all this and uh, part of that was, you know, the, the shamanic death trip where I had to face my mortality in ways that were literally I was going to die. Just um, recently in, in well, April, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. And and I uh, I, <laughs> I had this interview and I, I drank a lot. Uh, my partner had cancer and I was miserable and I was not living uh, consciously at all. Um, in fact... I was using my my uh, ability to um, discern the reality of things to drink just enough to almost kill myself. Yeah. Yes. So to the <laughs> on edge. Purpose. Yeah. Yeah. On purpose because I didn't want to live without my partner because you know dramatic Taurus is dramatic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we are. <laughs> so yeah, and if and if she was going to go and die early because of cancer then fuck if I was going to stick around. You know. Yeah. So so I was like, you know, and that was that was literally how I thought about things and that's how retarded I was at the time. But I'm feeling much better now. But anyway, I I I drank myself into the hospital and I just had to spend 3 days 
coming off of booze. And if you've ever been addicted to booze, it is the most humiliating and retarded thing that you're ever going to experience when you're sitting there thinking, oh, and these nurses are checking to see if you're still alive because you might die because you quit drinking. You know, that is one of the most um, humiliating moments, lowest moments. And uh, I think I'm using that as an example because it exemplifies that you don't raise yourself to a higher level, mm-hmm. you know, and it was in you the whole time. It's in you. Um, the, the, the alchemical formula of vitriol is visit the interior of the earth yes. and refine the stone, you yes. know, sitting there humiliated. I'm a very prideful person. I'm very egotistical. I think very highly of myself because I have discovered my aesthetic. I know what my word is. I know what, I know what the secret to joy is. I know how to create my world. I know how to do all that stuff. I'm proud of that, but I'm still human. And I drank myself into a hospital where I couldn't get up out of bed on my own. I had surrendered my agency so completely on purpose, you know, and it's like infinite cosmic power and still retarded living space, you know, yeah. and I, I keep using that word and I, I probably shouldn't, but, um, it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm using it in terms of not grown. Yeah. Well, I understand the term completely in, yeah, the, in and, the use. And I, I, every once in a while I get reminded by my kids that my language patterns are, definitely what I would consider old Eon. <laughs> uh, and uh, I try really hard not to be offensive with things, but we're OG, but, yeah. but we are trying to shift. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry if I've offended anybody using that word, but I will try not to, but you know, I, I just feel really stupid and, and slow and unformed and un, unable to uh, uh, effectively say, Hey, yes, I am enlightened. And in that moment of being, of being, you know, forced to, to see my own inadequacy and, and how little I was in control of myself at that point, you know, I had to accept some things about me. And one of the things I accepted in that moment was my power to put myself in that position. Yes. You know, and understanding in that moment when I had nothing else, that it was me that put myself there, you know, a lot of people break at that point because they um, they cannot face that they are the most powerful influence in their life. There's nothing more terrifying than I did this to me. Right. You know, and if you really accept responsibility for everything in your life, it it can be a burden that drives you mad. Unless you're willing to accept that part of that is the part of you that gets driven mad, mm-hmm. you know, and that agency, it needs a force and the force that directs it is crazy, <laughs> but it's ours. God damn it. So it, it tries real hard, you know, and you, and you cut it some slack and you forgive yourself a lot. But when you're, when you're ready to accept that agency and, and create these, this, this wonderful uh, romantic relationship that brings you fulfillment in ways that only a romantic relationship can, 
or this opportunity to make all this money or, um, uh, the other day I sold my soul to Satan. <laughs> it was, it was a joke. <laughs> I thought it was a joke, but you know, I'm like, okay, you got, you, if you can make this guy say this thing and blah, 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 then I will do this, this, and this for you. And it was, it was mostly just a joke, but yeah, yeah turns out it's, it works. <laughs> oh yes. Oh so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here. Um, well, this okay. So here, here's what here's what we're gonna do right now. So I like this is a a part. This is our transition from one into the next, and uh, we're gonna get deeper into these concepts, into these ideas after we take we're a run break. out of words. <laughs> there, but there are always other avenues. How people can find you in the world. And what access do they have? So what do you, where are you that people can find you? And I, of course, always have <coughs> everything in the show notes. Yes. Wow. Okay. So Rufus Opus at RufusOpus.com is probably uh, going to be, hopefully by the end of the week, the uh, best way to reach me. RufusOpus.com. Um, that's going to be like this. See, I have this. I have this whole structure in mind. Um, Rufus Opus is going to be this thing that represents me and my personality and all my strengths and weaknesses. And then there's going to be applied hermetics, which is where where this creative uh, consciousness is expressing itself. And then there's um, Academia Hermetica, which is a an online learning school for people to go and become. Magus is. It's the Magus factory that I wrote about years and years and years ago. Um, it was a dream I had in 2013 that we had this factory where we were pumping out magicians. And it was like, it was people like you and me, you know, and when I say we, I'm talking about us. Yeah. You know, and, and that factory was like a real thing and it was already in place and it just needed a, a, a storefront <laughs> to be put together so it could, so it could run. And that, that's what I was trying to do. And that's, that's what Academia Hermetica is. So the three ways to reach me are uh, rufusopus.com, um, appliedhermetics, all one word, dot com, and academiahermetica, all one word, dot com. And that's how I am going to change the world sooner or later. And I have complete faith that you shall because you are fantastic. I, I've been pushing you a long time. So with that, we're going to end this first section and Rufus Opus and I will be back behind the curtain, behind the gate, behind the cowl, if you will. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so we'll see you then. goes Mr. Rufus Opus. We had a very cozy time in that interaction and it just deepens in this second hour so I hope you can find us on or through the gates at my Patreon page. On that I would like to thank the producers of this channel's uh, productions. Santa Rebecca, Jason Lampson, Michael Watcher, Melanie Paul, Christy Tesmer, and Marin Kramer. 
as well as all the other patrons through my Patreon. I would like to remind everyone that the world is indeed mysterious. And in these times, in this time of seemingly dark shadows running about everywhere, including our own, there is still a glimmer of hope. And we talked about hope this evening. We talked about the idea of hope and what it is. I want to reamalgamate that. And this requires a lot of internal fortitude. This requires a lot of observance. And we all have it. We can do this. We are at war. And we all know it. This is bigger than we know. This is larger than we think. And yet, we can do this. There is a tidal wave coming. Get on those boards with me and let's ride the wave. With that said, I hope that your dreams are illuminating, that you find a greater sense of lucidity by questioning the narratives around you, the construct that is built around you and us as a collective. Thank you for being here in the Cosmic Salon with me.